So it's out there. I think it's one that has been grabbing people's eye because, you know, you might probably people just looking at it wouldn't know what it is. But then you look and you see the names of the Human League and Gang of Four. And the you guys are wasting all our good talk. Come on. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought the show, I thought we, I thought we, I thought this was the podcast. Oh, yeah, no. Hey, no. Yeah, we should, uh, we'll save it all for there. Pull it together, boys. <laughs> let's, let's take it back to one. Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, originator of the legendary Minnesota mutant polka sound. Oh, that sounds <laughs> sick. Do you have an album coming out? Album forthcoming. Okay. <laughs> the, the originator, but the album's still coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patent pending. I'm co-host Jeremy. And I'm shocked and excited that we found a guest host that agreed to do a 25-hour podcast episode with us. <laughs> we found the right person for that, for sure. I am co-host Peter Cook, and uh, I'm excited to announce that I've started a new company. Oh? Yeah, Peter Cook's Toy Division. What's the ticker? I want to I want to buy in on this. <laughs> well, we we got a little bit to work out with the business yet. In the initial stages, we've been known to ship the products so fast that the recipients end up with damaged goods. Oh, so there's some things to work out before I say too much more about that. Yeah, and we, as Jeremy alluded to, we do have a special guest in the house who is prepared for 25 hours. <laughs> of podcasting with us who is here i'm going to have to talk very very slowly <laughs> hey everybody thanks for having me on fellas it's me john solomon hi hi john hello how are you doing oh we're doing just fine here jeremy and i in kalamazoo michigan and sean over there in philly which is not too far from where you are no i'm here in central new jersey the capital county of mercer and tell our listeners a little bit about what you do, John. Sure thing. Uh, I'm a DJ at WPRB in Princeton, New Jersey. I've been doing a show there since Reagan was president. And uh, I also run an independent record label called Comedy Minus One. And I like talking about music a great deal, both on the radio and off, so I'm delighted to be your guest on this episode. Yeah, and you will, in about one month's time, be doing the annual tradition on the radio that you've been doing for quite a long time. Since Reagan was president. <laughs> for sure. So in addition to the weekly program that I do on Wednesday evenings, I also do a 25-hour show every year starting on Christmas Eve and running through the end of Christmas Day. And this December 24th is going to be the 34th year for the marathon. Wow. Which, yeah, you're telling me. 
I I tuned into that for the first time a, a, somewhere was around seven years ago because former guest of the show Ike Turner had suggested that I contact you about playing a Christmas song by my former band Boring People, and you were kind enough to do just that. You played Boring People on that 25-hour marathon. <laughs> so thank you for doing that seven years ago. <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> well, John, what did you bring to put on the turntable today? Today on the turntable, we are putting on a compilation called Mutant Pop, which is often occasionally known as Fast Product or Fast Product, the first year plan. It's a collection that came out in 1980. The copy I own is on New Jersey's own PVC records. Yep. <laughs> and it's a look at music from six singles by six British bands released in 1978 and 1979 on a label called Fast Product. Yes. So this is a little different from what we usually do here. We haven't featured a cop before, but this one sounded like it's very interesting and a very influential label that not a lot of people know about. So uh, happy to have you suggest this one and happy to feature this Fast product, Mutant Pop 7879. Where do we want to start? Yeah, well, well since the, the first band on my copy of this record is the Mekons, why don't we start with a song by the Mekons? Heck yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking about the song Where Were You, which was their second single. And we'll talk more about that, but let's go ahead and play that song.
Mekons was a band I never thought we would be talking about on this podcast, but uh, I I love the Mekons. Oh, are you, were you familiar with them before? Yeah. Oh, cool. Them and Human League and Gang of Four were the three bands on this I actually knew of, and the other ones that I didn't know nothing. <laughs> Those are the three biggest names on the comp that you know really definitely had some, I would say, exposure in the States. <laughs> yeah. That song in particular was featured in a documentary by my favorite documentarian, Adam Curtis, and his Can't Get You Out of My Head, An Emotional History of the Modern World. Oh, wow. Yeah. At some point, you t- you've talked about Adam Curtis often. I need to check out these documentaries. I, I've like sent you like 27 links since I've known you probably. And, <laughs> and uh, I still haven't. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to sit me down after one of these sessions sometime. Yeah, I'm going to clockwork orange you here. <laughs> yeah. The Mekons were the first band signed to Fast Product when the label... Label formed in 77, and this release came out in January of 78. Well, I should say that that song was not, it was uh, a different song. The first single that they put out was Never Been in a Riot, and this was their second single, Where Were You? And that first Mekon single, apparently Fast Product sent it to Rough Trade for distribution, and they said it was the worst thing they had ever heard. Oh. (laughs) Wow. It's too rough for rough trade apparently yeah I, I realized maybe i should have done this when i when i came on initially but i should list all you you, you touched on a couple of them but i just wanted to run down the bands that are on this compilation yeah for, for specificity and, and make sure that everyone knows so you got music by the mekons 2.3 the human league gang of four scars and flowers those are the six bands on Mutant Pop, and that Mekon song, like you said, it's their second single. It's since, unlike a lot of this music, which hasn't been properly reissued, that single has since been re-upped by Superior Viaduct, and it just, it just soars in my headphones. And and I've I, I like the Mekons. I like select Mekon songs a great deal. I've never worshipped at the foot of the Mekons like some of my peers that I know think they're the the greatest band in the world. I've never had that that moment with them as a band on a whole, but but for those two minutes and forty seven seconds, they they might be. Yeah, they're not the most consistent, but they have some really high high points, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely remember sort of in there, there are songs of theirs in their more, and a honky tonk sounds kind of pejorative, but there are definitely like songs, like sometimes I feel like Fletcher Christian and, and other songs of theirs from the late 80s and early 90s that I always enjoyed playing on the radio. But I just, I they are one of those bands that the people who like the Mekons really, really like the Mekons. And, uh, I've never, I don't, I don't know. I feel like I'm slagging on them a little bit unintentionally. And that's, that's not my point. It's just, it, I, I wish that I could have the same experience with the entirety of their catalog that some of my friends do there. That's better said. Yeah. Well, and they've, they've been consistently releasing stuff since they formed in 
they were University of Leeds art students and they formed in 1976 and you know they were putting their first stuff out by 78 and they've consistently been releasing material they have over 20 albums to their name now and they've put out stuff as recently as 2020 yeah they did a record with Janet Bean and Catherine Irwin from Freakwater called Freakons that I think <laughs> might be their most recent record and if not, there's probably another one that's come out since this sentence started. <laughs> wow, I didn't know. That's a brilliant collaboration name, Freakwater. I haven't thought about that band in a while. Great band. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's turn towards this label, though, Fast Product. The label Fast Product was founded in Edinburgh, Scotland, by a man named Bob Last and his partner, Hilary Morrison. I guess she... Hillary gave Bob a copy of the Buzzcocks Spiral Scratch EP, which was the first independently released British punk record. It was on a Manchester-based label called New Hormones, and this inspired Bob and Hillary to form their own label. I really couldn't find a whole lot of information about what else Bob had done prior to this. There, I think there was one thing that said he had been a, a roadie for the band The Rosillos. But he's kind of a little shrouded in mystery, as much of Fast Product is in general. <laughs> no, from what I was able to piece together, he has had kind of a, a fascinating series of careers, both in music and otherwise. He's been a music supervisor for a number of films. Uh, an animated short that he was a part of was nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, The Illusionist. Yeah, exactly. Even in this this one article that I read in The Guardian, it mentioned that he was considering reviving Fast Product, not as a record label, but as a company that would sell bicycle parts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I found that too. I thought that Mountain was... Mountain bike components to be specific. But for a label that put out this compilation that has meant so much to me for so many years and, and collects music from these six different releases, the fast product discography is actually quite small. It's just 12 records in total. And the hit to miss ratio is pretty ridiculous. As far as what just look, is what? Just just the, just looking at the catalog and the, you know, for only putting out 12 records, they're all, I think they're all winners. Yeah, and to have had released the first official stuff from the Human League and Gang of Four and the Mekons, that's just incredible. It's three towering post-punk bands. And then putting out a couple, a trio of... 12-inch and double 7-inch collections called Earcom, and then they wrap it up with what I believe was the first British release for Dead Kennedys, the California Uberalis single. Yep, yep. So that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's wild. I mean, they, they, you know, this all happens between basically 1978 and 1980. So they burned fast, but, you know, at, at the very least, the, the legacy of the fast product mutant pop compilation in my life and in my world is long 
lasting because I remember probably first discovering this record in the WPRB music library when I was a kid. There's a well-loved copy there that's been in the collection for eons. And I was trying to remember how many times I've purchased this record because there, there are a handful of records that anytime I see them for $5 or less, I will just buy it and know that I'll be able to give it to a like-minded person who will also appreciate it. So the copy that I have here with me tonight, I know that I got at Reckless Records in Chicago, or more likely my roommate Dan, who worked there at the time, saved it for me. I know I bought a copy at a random record store the only time I went to Los Angeles, and that was back in 1995 or 1996, and I've picked it up at least twice at the Princeton Record Exchange, so it looks like this copy was first on the shelves at Reckless in August of 1994. Wow. So that tracks. Yeah. You know, it's been a while since I've come across one of these, but yeah, I, I think I said in the email when we were trying to pick a record to talk about, I think about this compilation the same way that I think about the Bright Orange Years by Volcano Suns or Shatter Your Day by Flag of Democracy, just records that are are always cheaper than the value that I hold for them in my head. And I know that I'm always going to be able to gift a record like that to someone who will really appreciate it because they're, they're each wonderful in their own ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great when you can find something yeah, that you can relatively affordable that you can just be like, I want to get this in more people's lives. So going to grab this up and you probably have someone in mind each time you pick one up too. hundred percent. And it's a, it's a terrific primer for me. It's a great transition from, you know, being in grade school or high school and being really into punk rock to learning about something more compelling and jagged and bouncy and, I think another thing that's important about fast product is it's a true entry point. Like you could pick up this record and listen to it and say, Hey, I want to learn more about these bands. And next thing you know, you're listening to entertainment by gang of four, or you're discovering how different the human league sound became from what it was on this record. Or like you said before, you're learning that there are more Mekons records than there are stars in the sky to choose from. <laughs> like there are all these different directions. You, if you have the seeker gene, there are all these different directions you can go off in from this single starting point. Yeah. The only artist that we've featured on the podcast that's on this comp previously was the human league our third episode we covered the dare album which obviously by that point that was a very different band than the material found on this compilation one of the lesser known artists on this compilation is 2.3 which we wanted to feature where to now by that group correct absolutely so how about we listen to that song and come back and talk more about it. I would like nothing more. 
title of this compilation mutant pop was apparently one of the descriptors that was applied to the artists on this label and i think that 2.3 track is a good candidate for that <laughs> explaining why just why you know it, they're catchy enough but at the time you have to remember this is 78 79 punk is just it's a brand new you know it's, and so it's still you know now we hear melodic pop we've been hearing it for 40 plus years at this point but this still probably was pretty edgy stuff at the time yet it had you know you could still sing along to it yeah sound that song kind of sounded like david byrne singing for the velvet underground to me <laughs> there's something unexpectedly american about it yeah for sure like it could be from hoboken or lawrence kansas or Cleveland, Ohio, or any of those other great cities that housed so many wonderful independent bands in the 1980s that were equally raw and tuneful. But it's also, it's, it's sort of a, to me, it's sort of a timeless tune. I think it's, if it's not my favorite song on this compilation, it's certainly on the metal platform. Yeah, and they didn't release much, as, as, from what I could tell, 2.3, which their name was originally 2.3 Children, which was the average household at the time. Oh. Yeah, just like The Simpsons had, you know, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie as the baby to represent the, the half kid <laughs> of the uh. average household. Uh, they, they shortened it to 2.3. And yeah, as far as I could tell, they only released... The single, the two songs on the single in 78, but they did then <laughs> as recently as 2018, they put out a full album. 
just out of nowhere <laughs> after silence. That is information that I learned maybe 45 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have since bookmarked their band camp and it's described as the debut album that took 40 years to arrive. Fascinating. It was released in <laughs> wow. August of 2020. It has the single versions of All Time Low and Where To Now on it, plus 14 other songs. And at some point between when we record this and when this podcast is released, I will completely have listened to it because... I'm I'm almost like a little wary to press play because I love their single so much, but I, I got to know what this is like. Yeah, it's the Chinese democracy of fast product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well put. That is wild. I just learned that shortly before we started recording. So more 2.3 is recently in the world. All right, I've got a question for you guys. Is this the first usage of the term mutant pop? Because I know that's you know, that term lived on past this comp. I think there was even a label in the 90s called that. But did they originate it? Was it a thing that was already in the air when this comp came out? It's from what I could tell, and I don't, you're asking the question, but I don't want to definitively say that this is the case. I think that this is the origin of mutant pop was the fast product label for I don't know of it being used prior to that. Do you have any any idea, John? I don't. Certainly, I, I if I were to see a record described using those two words next to each other, I would certainly make a point of listening to it. Yeah. For some reason in my mind, when I first saw it, I thought of Os Mutantes, the Tropicalia band, but... That's just because they were the mutants. Yeah, it's Portuguese for the mutants. Yeah, I see what you did there. I mean, it's a it's a very intriguing genre tag, especially for the time, late seventies. You know, how are you going to see mutant pop in the late seventies and not at least be curious as to what that sounds like? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's more it's more intriguing than post punk, and I don't I don't know that post punk was actually being used as a term at that point i don't know if that's a retroactively applied term for you know punk inspired stuff that was a little more arty from this period oh, that's a good question because this is like when punk's happening it yeah seems it's... odd for there to be post-punk already yeah yeah that's an excellent question i wonder who the first person was to use post-punk as a descriptor because some of the bands on here definitely fit under that umbrella. Some are a little more art punk, like you said. But at the same time, like I, I always come back to how dismissive a term both emo and indie were to describe bands initially that then just became the way that people explained you know in real broad strokes what a what a group sounded like but i don't think the same thing happened with post-punk so maybe it was more bandied about at the time as a positive than either of those were it just sounds like a genre thing that like a critic came up with to me 
<laughs> it does, but it also has this like, and maybe it's just from having listened to so many of these records and records like it. There's like a, like kind of a brutalist gray concrete impersonability, if that's a word to the words post and punk next to each other that, that I actually quite like. But like anything, I mean, if you look at it long enough, it doesn't mean anything. I thought about the fact that, you know, with the, the DIY aspect of Fast Product in the uh, the documentary that I don't think we've mentioned yet, uh, the documentary that came out in 2015, Big Gold Dream, that highlights uh, Fast Product and a few other early DIY labels of the UK punk scene. You know, nowadays, I think we associate DIY and punk culture, you know, they're side by side in a lot of ways. But, you know, in 1977, when the year punk broke, all that stuff was coming out on majors. It was all on major labels that was, you know, what we think of as like the Sex Pistols and the Clash, the Ramones. That was all coming out on the majors. And yeah, these bands that 78, 79, they take that punk aesthetic, but they're the do-it-yourself approach. And, you know, this, I don't know if we can overstate just how important Fast Product was to the concept of having your office be the bedroom of your flat, which is exactly what Bob Last and Hillary Morrison were doing in Edinburgh, Scotland. (laughs) They're just, the stuff's getting recorded on the cheap. The office is right there in their flat. And it's, uh, they're doing, you know, Hillary's kind of handling more of the photography and the visual end of things. I think she was designing from, I was under the impression she was designing the covers for this stuff. And meanwhile, Bob was handling more of the production and business end of things. And they were very influential on another now much better known label that started out DIY, Tony Wilson's Factory Records which is very well known because of the fact that Joy Division were on that label and then the Happy Mondays, and that's all on display in the very popular movie 24-Hour Party People. You know, there is no 24-Hour Party People for the Fast Product label. This documentary, Big Gold Dream, that came out just a few years ago, it was in production for nearly a decade. That's the closest you get. They did actually, I should mention, Bob... Last and Hillary Morrison had considered signing Joy Division. They had known them when they were originally Warsaw. Then they changed their name to Joy Division. And Hillary was aware of the fact that Joy Division was the prostitution wings of the Nazi concentration camps. That's what Joy Division means. And she just that turned her off to the idea of signing this band with a name like that. So then they, of course, ended up on Tony Wilson's factory records instead and the rest is history there i saw bob last referred to factory records as fast 13 yes he said that he (laughs) factory records were the 13th released by fast product and he just he says he never told them that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they had a release on his label. That's, uh. that's how he sees Factory <laughs> Records as basically the next step of Fast Product. Exactly. 
Joy Division had two songs on Earcom 2, the another fast product compilation. So they were working with them, but yeah, apparently de- declined to go any further than that. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Well, uh, Hillary Morrison, one of the co-founders that we've been talking about, she had a band called The Flowers, the, a Scottish band that formed in 1978. And we were going to feature their song Life After Dark next. So how about we do that? I'm in. All right. first checked out this compilation i was both pleasantly surprised that there was uh, female lead vocals on at least one of the bands here and also that song was like real funky and had a cool line between having like very rhythmic vocal delivery and bass lines but also still got that raw kind of sloppy punk aesthetic mm-hmm. that was great gritty and dancy mm-hmm. yeah hillary was known for her feminist lyrics and that was definitely happening in that song it's worth noting that that particular release the flowers actually came out on the follow-up label to fast product that both bob last and hillary morrison started immediately i don't know exactly why fast product folded but then they just started this other label pop oral and released a similar amount of (laughs) things over the similar amount of time for the next couple years they went from Fast product to pop oral. Basically, the, both labels encompass about four years of time and a couple dozen releases. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know anything about putting out records 
under a label with one name and then putting out records under a label with a with a different <laughs> name but uh i guess it happens uh yeah i i, I mean that that's another it, it definitely on the back of my copy implies that this was going to be on a compilation ep that i think became the single that you were just talking about and by my count, I think that's one of the three singles from this record that I've since picked up along the way since purchasing Mutant Pop however many decades ago. But again, it's just another, Just I mean, I, I keep saying the same things, just another wonderful, timeless, tuneful song there is a contemporary band called flowers who mine sort of similar territory to the band we just heard and i say for shame <laughs> come up with your own name use a search engine <laughs> come on band alta vista that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now jeremy you said while we were listening to that track that you did a little looking into the post-punk oh, or, yeah. origins that we were discussing. I got to the bottom of this. In this era, people probably would have called this new music with a K at the end of music for some reason. That was like the term for this kind of thing in that era. And then a couple different music critics claimed to have been the first one to use the term post-punk both in 1978, but it looks like it didn't catch on for a while. Also around that time, some journalists were calling stuff like this art punk, but mm -hmm. it was meant as a pejorative when you called something art punk because it meant it was too like heady and fancy and was kind of like straying from what punk really was. Mm -hmm. so very quickly, these lines were being drawn. <laughs> yeah, it's not that different from how jocks used to call people devo like that's the worst thing a jock could call you was just be like come on devo what's wrong devo to anyone who was interested in in music like this it was like the follow-up to a greaser <laughs> actually there probably are worse things uh, <laughs> a jock could have <laughs> called you or me and and they likely did just give them a little bit of time they'll think of something <laughs> Apparently, Hillary Morrison, after The Flowers, she went on to sing in several other bands in the Edinburgh post-punk scene, including one of the better-known ones is The Fire Engines. Yeah, great band. I wasn't really familiar with them prior to doing some research for this, but yeah, they seem to have made quite the mark. I think they were kind of ahead of the curve, and if memory serves, some of their songs are so almost like chainsaw guitar like it's 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 really not off-putting i can't i'm terrible with describing things because it's it's very good but it's just it's 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 a it's like the most extremes of you know the 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 rawness and the tunefulness but again if if they were a band that was doing the same thing two years later Five years later, 25 years later, they, they would be much more lauded. I believe 
all of their material got reissued by Domino a handful of years back. Okay. Yeah, back in 2006. Very cool. Yeah, there's, I was realizing, you know, with uh, just watching the documentary, reading about these bands, there's so many of them that I'm not familiar with. You know, one, another band that I've heard of for a long time is Joseph K. Can't say I'd ever really listened to them much. I go and listen to them and they sound like a flying nun, New Zealand, like type of band from a few years later. (laughs) At least some of the stuff I checked out. Yeah, it's actually cool just doing a quick look at the the Domino website to find the Fire Engines collection, which is called Codex Teenage Premonition. And of course, it's presently out of stock. And th- And actually, that's not all of their material. This is all live recordings and studio outtakes. So I don't know if their their actual material is held up for some reason. But at the bottom of the Domino site, there's a a related artists thing that has little arrows sort of, you know, where you can jump between and it sort of starts with the go-betweens and then it goes to Joseph K and then it goes to another Scottish group called Orange Juice and then it goes to Aztec Camera. Yeah. So there 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 are and again, like I'm I'm much more familiar with the go-betweens and Orange Juice than I am Joseph K and Aztec Camera, but they all seem to exist in a a slightly similar orbit so anything that that gets people connecting their own dots and and making these introductions is is fine mm-hmm. by me yeah i was surprised in in watching the big gold dream documentary yeah, it started getting into suddenly yeah, like orange juice was in there i'm like oh the rip it up guys <laughs> i feel like a drug dealer right now like we're showing people this affordable comp but it's gonna lead them to buying like four hundred dollar <laughs> punk obscure 45s and well well that jeremy thank you that leads to my next question for john john do you have some suggestions for either similar comps or similar music like this that can still be found out there without dropping tons of cash yeah i'll, I'll do I'll do one that's a little more close to home than the other. Uh, the, I mean, for me, I hear a lot of stuff like this that I was unfamiliar with previously by listening to the radio station where I work, WPRB. There are a couple of DJs there. I'm thinking there's a person named Dana Kay, another person named Kami Francis, who who seem to constantly are unearthing these recordings from this same time period that I was unfamiliar with that then I I soak up with reckless abandon but if you if you don't have your your radio tuned to 103.3 FM or WPRB.com a good place to start because you can get a lot of bang for your buck are these compilations called Mesthetics there's Mesthetics Greatest Hits Mesthetics 101 through 108 And they all focus on different regions of the United Kingdom in the late 70s to early 80s. So there's, you know, Mesthetics number 107, DIY 78 to 81, London 3, or Mesthetics 108, South Coast DIY 77 to 81. Because in addition to the 
major label bands you were talking about. And in addition to compilations like this or collections that might have music from Rough Trade, like Wanna Buy a Bridge is is another great compilation that probably has bands that are slightly better known than than what's on here that are 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 all in kind of the same shared universe but these collections go pretty deep and last i checked they weren't super expensive let's see yeah you could pick up aesthetics greatest hits for nine bucks right now and that one's got 22 songs on it from bands with names like scrotum poles and dum 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 and puritan guitars and danny and the dressmakers but i think you'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised by what you find therein so i know those were real incredible surprises for me when these collections are put out by a guy named chuck warner who also did compilations of a similar sort for american bands as part of the homework and hype to death and teen line series and any of those like there are still so many bands from the late 70s and early 80s that that i think we're we're only just hearing about or only just being digitized so that might be a place to start but now i want to see how much a copy of want to buy a bridge goes for in this day and age because that i mean between yeah that has mind your own business by delta five on it okay part-time punks by television personalities it has a great swell map song it has we are all prostitutes by the pop group wow young marble i know all these names scritty (laughs) politi yeah like like i think like if you you know you could go from between between fast product and want to buy a bridge like you can there are so many different directions you you know in in musical choose your own adventure you can you can go in and be richly richly rewarded i had a thought for a slightly more mainstream suggestion as well and this is similar to fast product just a couple of years ago was a five dollar record you could find everywhere and seems to be now more like 15 20 but the A&M release from 81 from the concert, Er, A Music War, which has, you know, it starts with the police and wall of voodoo and there's some big names on it, but then there's also some slightly more below the radar. There's, you know, Gang of Four is on there. You got Klaus Nomi, 999, Magazine, X, The Cramps. It's an interesting mix of music and a cool concert film too. Yeah, a movie that I'm em- I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen, but uh, the aforementioned Dana Kay from WPRB, she introduced a screening of that a couple months ago in Philadelphia that if COVID levels hadn't been crazy high, I would have gone to because that's something that I really should see. And yeah, that, that double LP collection is uh, is another outstanding jumping off point. I saw somewhere, I believe the Cramps were another band that Fast Product passed on good whoops wow <laughs> i didn't know this was jeremy's take on the cramps i'm not a i'm not a big fan of the cramps i'm not a big fan of like actual punk for the most part <laughs> <laughs> well that's more like uh 
rockabilly. Well, it's, yeah, and that's even worse for oh, me. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that goes more in that direction. Yeah. I like those collections, though, is it called The Bands the Cramps Taught Us that are songs from the 50s and 60s that the Cramps would go on to cover? Uh-huh. I thought those were great ideas for collections. <laughs> it's always a trip to me that Alex Chilton produced the Cramps. There are a couple bands that when I was, you know, 13 or 14 and buying cassettes, I definitely bought Cramps cassettes thinking they would be quote unquote punker than they were. And that was a real surprise was to get the, the, the sounds that they actually made. And I think to some extent, the Ramones were like that too, where, you know, I thought it was going to be all loud, fast rules. And, and, you know, here they are singing songs about day trips to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more bubble gum than you probably expected. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I, I, you know, I love it all the more now, but just, it was, uh, I was I was going down a very narrow path, so it was it was great to have these accidental introductions to <laughs> things, because I I definitely I think my discovery of punk rock probably came too young, so I had to like reverse engineer a lot of classic rock and things like that that I never I never had that period when I should have. But there's uh you know there's no time like the present. We we all choose our own adventure one way or another. <laughs> well, John, all this talk about you know running DIY labels. Uh, Would you like to speak a little bit about what you do in that department? Yeah, for sure. I've run a label called Comedy Minus One for the past 15 years or so. You know, we put out two or three records a year that we really care about. The most recent releases are the new album by a duo from Indiana called The Rutabaga and a trio from Portland, Oregon called Hurry Up, which is two of the three folks that used to be in a band called The Thermals, along with a member of a band called Bangs. And then we're gearing up to reissue the two Silkworm records that originally came out on Matador, Firewater, and Developer, and hopefully those will be a little bit more underway in 2023 because it's been a long time coming. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 something I very, you know, it's it's not that different from the radio in a in a certain way, running an independent record label in the sense that all I want to do is share music that I really care about with other people and doing it on the radio is much more immediate and it can be anybody's music and it happens, you know, over a three hour chunk weekly or uh, eight times that chunk on Christmas. Uh, but then putting out records is is also personal, but it's it's a lot slower and, and it's a lot more of a a specific investment. But I think they're they're similar in a lot of ways. And the the end the end goal is the same. The journey or what have you is just uh you know some of it is is more ephemeral and some of it is you know the end result is this some of it is the fast product and some of it is the the physical product (laughs) yeah i did i checked out that new release from the rutabaga who i love and it's fantastic that just came out recently so yeah and the hurry up 
the, the little bit that I've checked out was excellent too. So, and you've also released stuff from former guests of the show, Ike Turner's band out. Yeah. The out record records and the minutes records. And you know, those are, again, it's, it's when you're dealing with a limited budget and it's, it's really about, finding people who are on the same page as you with the same sorts of expectations as you that, that are in it for the, you know, ostensibly the same reasons as you are. And, you know, Ike and the out folks are very much in that category. And, and I'm, you know, delighted that both of those records have the, the comedy minus one logo on the back of them. Check them out. Wonderful, John. Well, yeah, thank you for bringing this fast product our way and for coming on the podcast. You made it through the first hour. Now, 24 more. (laughs) I did. I got to limber up. We were going to exit with perhaps the best known track, one of the best known, if not the best known tracks on this, Damaged Goods by Gang of Forb. This is what got them signed to EMI and they re-recorded it for their now classic, well-known entertainment exclamation point. But uh, this was, yeah, this is the first version of it that we're going to hear. Yeah, it's cool. It's a little bit slower, but it's, uh, I mean, come on. It's Damaged Goods by Gang of Four. What more can you say? Nothing, which is why I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we'll get out of here on that note. So thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another installment of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. My name is Peter Cook. I'm co-host Jeremy. I'm Sean Hartman. I'm John Solomon. Wait, I said that too fast. You can say it. I'm John Solomon. (laughs) 